Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website as well as on this podcast. My guest is Izzy House, author of Space Marketing, Competing in the New Commercial Space Industry. And Izzy, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you today? Doing very well, thank you. And thanks for joining me today. It's uh, looking forward to this conversation. So let's just kind of start off with what is probably the biggest question is, is space marketing different from conventional marketing? In some respects it is, in some respects it's not. One of the biggest challenges for many of the space businesses that are out there is the fact that they haven't had to do it. You know, there's been one customer to woo, and that's NASA. Throw in a few investors, but that's usually it. You you go out into the other business sectors, for example, SOAP. And it has been extremely competitive and marketing has been a very core discipline with those, but not so much in space. So up until recently, there wasn't a lot of competition. But now the last figure that I heard was about 72 to 74 countries had space programs that they were starting. So all of a sudden you went from the United States and Russia to an explosion of countries that are sinking money into their space programs and all the businesses that they have in their country. And all and you have people that are self-funding that are looking at the consumer market. You have people that are trying to provide services and products to land on the moon, to go into orbit. Even the competition between getting your satellite into orbit is getting fierce because there's not a lot of room to get space on that rocket. So when you talk about these companies that are marketing things, what are they marketing? I mean, I know they they have a product or they have a service that they provide. And I, and I, I understand that aspect of marketing. But what is it that they're – you said previously there was one customer. Now who are they marketing to? Well, that one customer, NASA, has taken a little bit of a secondary role with all the the new ways that they're actually structuring how they do business. They were the ones that were selling the idea of space to begin with. You know, I don't think the space industry would be what it was if NASA hadn't been selling space Mm -hmm. or marketing space for all these decades. And now it's kind of up to us. It is up to all the businesses to kind of take the reins on a little bit of that and market space, the idea of space to begin with. And then they have to market their business in a way that shows that they are worthy of whatever attention they are getting. Marketing is basically the conversation that somebody, a business has with its audience. Now, it can be selling an idea, it can be selling a product, it can be selling a service, but it is the conversation that they need to have with their chosen audience. 
So what you're talking about then is a company that is that basically one of their primary goals is to is to convince people or to inform people about the whole space thing. It's because it's 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 people pick up their cell phone, they use the GPS, they don't realize that it's a space-based function, um, or you know there there are the satellite television, uh, th- those kinds of things that are space-based, but people don't really think about that. So what you're saying is that companies need to basically let the public know that what it is that they're doing is a not only involved in space, but b how it's going to benefit them because that's really what it's all about. Yes, and they can be on your side or they can be against you. Let's take an example of last summer's flights that we had up to space. We had Bezos and we had Inspiration4. Now, mm-hmm. they were very different in how the public reacted to each one. With Bezos, all of a sudden it was the rich kids club and and the public had an outcry and, and it was he was vilified. But yet... I, Isaacman, with the inspiration for, he knew how to have a conversation with the public. Both were billionaires, mm-hmm. but one, you went with them on the journey. You were not excluded. One, you were excluded. And that boils down to pure marketing on each of their parts. Uh, Jared did it exceptionally well. He involved the public. He made it to where you were a part of the team. He had a a mission in there that was more than just going to space. He included people that were regular people where Bezos did the opposite. He made it very exclusive to where there was no way that you could imagine yourself going. And it just felt like we were shut out. So that was the difference between the two. And the response of the public was extremely different. If it had been just Bezos going up, it would have mm -hmm. been a completely different outcome on whether or not people would have been happy. Now, to your other point, there is a massive disconnect in people in their normal lives and its connection to space. You know, we, we carry these cell phones everywhere we go. And if you told people, do you know this is going up to a satellite? They would go, yeah, duh. But it doesn't feel like it's connected to space. It's, it's not in the forefront of their mind. You know, when they check the weather, it was only since the 1960s that we even got to see a hurricane coming. Right. If, if we didn't have an outpost on an island, then we didn't see it coming. And thousands could die and did die from no notification. And then we have, of course, the GPS where we check traffic before we leave and we get directions. And that has become so commonplace that we don't realize it's coming from space. So there's a huge disconnect. And I think we're all to blame for that because we just don't get the message out there that this is relatable. I want to go back just for a moment to your point about um, Jeff Bezos and uh, Blue Origin versus the Axiom One uh AX1 mission, um, because it sounds like you might be saying that it was almost a, a marketing mistake to include William Shatner in one of those, uh, oh, no, one of those no, fights. I, I think and I was, thought that was brilliant. Yes, that was brilliant. <laughs> no, the first one, it was basically him 
his brother, and then there was some multi-millionaire 18-year-old mm-hmm. that uh, I don't think many of us could connect to. Um, I have a son that's 25, and I can't imagine him having access to millions of dollars that's disposable income. So there was a very big disconnect there. But with William Shatner, that was beautiful. And with the first flight, there wasn't very much notice. Mm -hmm. They could have really given us a story about the, um, the women in the Apollo program and really kind of ramped up with the inspiration for trip. They had months that they prepared and they, they got the message out. They started a year in advance and we got to see the astronauts as they were on Netflix, got Mm -hmm. to get to know them. And so when they took off, it was, you know, it was, it was in our heart. We wanted the best for them. We watched them, but with Bezos, it was kind of abrupt and kind of like we weren't invited. And the other aspect of that is that, you know, the Bezos flight is 10 minutes and inspiration four was three days. Yes. That was a huge difference as well. And that makes, that makes it, that gives people an opportunity to, if you don't catch a a blue origin launch as it's happening, then it's done. At least with an inspiration four mission, they, they get an opportunity. Oh, that's, that's happening now. Let me go look up something about that. Yes. And that, that makes a difference too. Uh, Izzy, give us a little bit about your background, if you would, please. Well, I'm a child of the space shuttle. I was 13 years old in high school when the space shuttle actually flew off. I spent my 13th year with my grandparents right there in Melbourne, Florida, where they could watch the space shuttles from their backyard. Mm. And instead of taking me to Disneyland, they took me to Kennedy Space Center. That summer, I also got introduced to science fiction. So by the time that I was ready to go back to school, I wanted to be a person that would be selected to colonize a planet. This was my thinking going into ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Then I told my friends, and I'm sure all of us can relate to the look when you tell somebody (laughs) that you want to go to space, they look at you like, are you crazy? So I kind of let that dream get swept under the carpet a little bit. And I ended up going into marketing. I was in marketing majority of my career. I had a brick and mortar in San Diego, and I've worked with over 600 businesses and organizations, helping them get their marketing stood up and and help their businesses grow. Well, we moved to Kentucky because of Mm 9-11, and that's where I raised my son, We had a business here as well. And during high school, I had to homeschool high school a little bit. When it came back to starting my my business again, I was kind of torn. I'm like, what does chapter three look like for me? And this is roughly about 2017. When 2007 hit and the smart, the iPhones, smartphones came on to the market everything drastically changed. Mm -hmm. It was not the same world as far as advertising or marketing was concerned. So this prompted me to go back to school and I got my bachelor's and my master's. I had an associates at the time. And when I was going through this particular process, I'm like, okay, chapter three, what can I do? That's just, that excites me every day to get up 
you know, I love working with businesses, but I want something more. And during this time, I went to Kennedy Space Center again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've seen the Atlantis exhibit. I have. Oh, my it's, God. It is, it is awe-inspiring. So I'm standing there at the end, and I'm not going to give anything away. Whoever's listening, if you haven't been, you got to go. But I'm standing there at the end, and, and I'm literally crying. And my heart is just feeling like it's going to just burst out of my chest. And that's when I got the epiphany that I can combine both of my passions. Mm-hmm. my space passion and my marketing passion. Well, when I had started my business in San Diego, I was part of an environmental technology incubator and I was surrounded by geniuses that came up with earth-changing inventions that most of them never left that incubator because they did not respect marketing or they didn't understand it. And they thought that if they came up with this brilliant solution, the world will come to them. But if the world doesn't know you exist, you can't save it. So when I started looking into the space businesses, I started seeing a lot of the same genius there with inventions, but they just, there wasn't a lot of understanding of what marketing was. So I wrote a book that is kind of like a primer to introduce space companies into what marketing is. And um, throughout the book, I have a fictitious company that I apply all the different strategies and tactics to so that they can see how it applies to what they're doing. And then, you know, I talk about how, what is branding? um, What is content development? What is storytelling? And then I close the book with how to hire a team, because I really think you need somebody on staff to capture those everyday moments that become so routine that you don't realize how special they are and to get them out into the world for everybody else to share. And that that is what I did there. and, And it has just been an incredible ride. I'm currently working on the next one for spaceports because I believe that we have to have a healthy space economy with healthy businesses if we're going to inspire the world to go to the next level. Now, in your book, Space Marketing, you talk about the challenges of marketing space. What are some of those challenges? Well, the first one is the changing business model. You know, it was a grant-based businesses, But now you have all these self-funded people that are looking at expanding into the commercial or the consumer realm. For example, space tourism is nowhere near the same business structure that the NASA grant system was. So you have a whole new dynamic. Uh, 2015 Space Act really changed how things were happening in space and um And then there's the assumption that NASA is all we need. NASA Mm. has done a wonderful job of marketing space throughout the last 50 years, but they're not, they're not step, they're, they're stepping back from a lot of their role and letting this new commercial space world enter into existence. And that is changing things quite a bit. When you think about 
NASA and commercial space, and it's almost like the industry is passing NASA by because <clears throat> when, when you're talking about multiple billions for a launch with NASA as opposed to multiple millions for a launch with SpaceX, it, you can see why NASA might be trying to get, get out of the launch business at least um, because it's so much more effective to have a, a private company do that. And really, that has shown how commercial entities can actually change and bring down the cost of all these ventures. NASA really wants to focus on space exploration and getting beyond where we are now, beyond the Earth, and, and, and leave it up to uh, commercial entities to do the ro rocket launches and to do the LEO type of satellites and so they can focus on the research and, and taking us further. Where which changes how they do, so they're becoming more of a customer rather than mm. the the whole vehicle going forward. I'm talking with Izzy House, author of Space Marketing: Competing in the New Commercial Space Industry. Take a moment right now to click on subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. Now, Izzy, we, we think about space commerce as a kind of a nascent industry, and, and a lot of startups are focusing on solving specific engineering problems. Most of them don't really have uh, take the idea of marketing seriously. Um, do you feel like that's a, a fair assessment? And what do they need to do to get people informed about their products and services? Well, a lot of them, I think, just don't understand what it is. It right. is a very vague, nebulous thing. You know, what is marketing? A lot of people thinks it's, think it's sales, which sales is a facet of marketing. And sales is the human touch of marketing after the message and the conversation has already happened. But it's only a small slice. One of the companies that I watched during this time where I was deciding what to do was it was it was a major company that has done a lot of great things and is pretty decent at doing marketing. They were doing a webinar and they had these PowerPoint slides that they were talking to. One of the points that they had was marketing as a service. Mm -hmm. Well, I was excited about this. And but when it came to the conversation, it was just mentioned and then moved on. I reached out to the individual that was doing the presentation and I'm like, please tell me more. And he gave me an answer that really showed that he, he really didn't understand how it was going to work or what it was. And that's when I realized, you know, marketing is a, is a tough thing to nail down on what it is. So that was another reason why I went ahead and wrote the book. And um, because they just don't know what it is. And even if they wanted to do it or they weren't focused on the engineering part, what is it? And how much effort do you put into it? And it is a huge, massive undertaking at this point in, in our world with all the different platforms that we can use to get our voices out there. But it seems like it's almost a field of dreams thought process that if we build it, they will come. <laughs> yes. And that is not how it works anymore. You know, back when the internet was still in its infancy, if you made a website, yes, they would come. Mm -hmm. But now the way that the search engines and everything do their algorithms, 
you can create a, a website that no one ever sees. Mm-hmm. Just because you build it does not mean it will ever be found. And it is getting harder and harder to be found. Space doesn't always make the news anymore. That's true. It, it becomes routine. During the space shuttles, it became the, the launches became so u- routine that when the Challenger had its bad day, mm-hmm. most of the world wasn't watching. They had put the teacher up on there so that they would get more garners, you know, more, more viewers at mm-hmm. that time because people had just, it had gotten commonplace. And how many rocket launches do we have a year now? I, I think SpaceX is launching about once a week. <laughs> yes. And how many people watch? It's become commonplace. Yeah. And it, it needs to be because it needs to be something that is so a part of our world that, you know, it, it's, it's not as exciting as it used to be, but I mean, launches still give me goosebumps yeah. but i say for a few of us i'll still i'll still go down to the beach and try and catch a glimpse of it as it goes because i can see it from from where i am here in neptune beach but that's uh but that's just me you talked about your background a little bit i was i was the kid at 10 years old who got to stay up late at summer camp and watch the moon landing uh in the the camp director's office on a little 10 inch uh, black and white tv so yeah we kind of kind of had similar paths into that <laughs> which was genius Oh, yeah. It was genius. And they had to fight so hard to be able to do that. And look at the impact that that made. Sure. On, and that was just an example of the, just the genius of, of yeah. marketing the moon. In your book, Izzy, you talk about the importance of solving their problem. Talk a little bit about that. Well, how many of us get inundated with product messages and ads and, and things on stuff we don't want? And uh, a lot of people, they, they have their little baby. And when you're doing a product, it is your baby. But, and then they try to force everybody to kind of say, this is my baby, make it fit into your life. Hmm. Which actually, we need to be asking the questions of our audience. What do you need? What are the type of things you need? A, a great example that I have is I worked for an organization that had STEM kits that they gave freely to schools. Now, this is a free STEM kit into schools. You would think that there would be just, they wouldn't be able to keep it on the shelves because teachers have no, they don't have any budgets. And it wasn't, it wasn't going to the teachers. And if the teacher did get one, it sat on the shelf. It wasn't utilized. But nobody ever asked them, well, what do you need? What What's the problem here? Right. Um, I went and I had some interviews with some teachers. And what I found out is there's a, um, a certain code that they have to apply to every class that they teach. It's kind of like the insurance company. In order to get paid for your doctor's visit, they have to have the right code. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that for the school system too. So in these STEM kits did not fit into any of their classes that they had coding for. And in order to use their st- these STEM kits, they had to rewrite an entire class, get it submitted, get the coding right. And it was just too much for the teachers to handle. So in order to be able to use these free kits, having just a syllabus that had the codes attached mm-hmm. would make all the difference in the world to them. 
And that's a part of just having that conversation on what do you need? What types of strategies can space tech companies use as to help build awareness of their businesses? It's I a think, pretty esoteric field, you got to admit. Oh, like I said, it's it's a very challenging field because it's vague and it's like a moving target. So the first thing that they need to do is understand who their brand is. And their brand is kind of like a person. It has a personality and it has a reputation. So you've got to get that down on who, who is your brand and what do they represent? Are they a aloof professor that doesn't have time for anybody, or are they a charismatic person that's always eager to help? And that's going to make a big difference on the conversation that you have with your audience. Then you have to determine who your audience is. For example, are, is your audience legislators? Are they consumers? Are they schools? You know, who are they? And that way, once you know who you are, and once you know who they are, then you can start to craft a conversation. You can put content where you know that they will see it. You can say things that you know will resonate with them. And then you can start in on all the tools. Marketing really hasn't changed in what is successful. It is the relationship between you and your audience. It doesn't matter what decade you're in. That's what makes successful marketing. However, what does change is the tools in which you use to get that message to your audience. And that has drastically changed. I'm sure it has. And you talk specifically about education-based strategies. And given the information-intense world we're in now, uh, with the constant flood of 24-hour news cycles and everybody's on the internet and there's a a fire hose of information coming at people all the time, is education-based strategy the future of marketing? It's my favorite version Mm -hmm. of marketing because you're giving something back. You're making your audience better for having interaction with you. And usually an education-based strategy doesn't really expect that, you know, $5 sale tomorrow, hurry now, but you're giving something to them in exchange for their attention and it establishes a positive relationship because it's, it's not something that people are going to instantly react and say, oh, you're trying to to get money out of me. You're trying to get time out of me. You're trying to get something from me. And it, it, it makes for a, a better transition into a relationship. Are people skeptical of marketing these days? I mean, we, and again, I, I go back to the fact that we are bombarded by so many messages. Um, are they skeptical of marketing efforts? Have, have companies had to change their marketing efforts to kind of combat that, uh, and I'll say skepticism again, for lack of a better word. Well, marketing is under, misunderstood. They, you know, a lot of people think, think it's just sales mm-hmm. and it's just a fleecing of the American public or the world public. It is not. Marketing can change our world for the better. For example, when we had polio in our world and a lot of children were suffering from it, the vaccine needed to be marketed to the public in order for them to accept the fact that they had to get vaccinated and it it wiped 
a lot of polio out in a lot of places. That wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for marketing. The electric light bulb was successful because Edison marketed the light bulb and got people to go from the gas lights to the electric lights. That wouldn't have happened without marketing. So marketing, everybody thinks that it's just trying to sell something, but it's a lot of times it's selling an idea like Mm -hmm. freedom. You know, if you're in a country that people want to be free and and it starts the revolution, well, somebody had to market that revolution to begin with in order and market the whole idea of democracy to begin with in order for anything to happen. It's making yourself, your message known. And it's that conversation with whoever it is you're trying to get interested. So marketing is very powerful. And it's just, most people, when they think of it, they think of the things that annoy them, not the things that they want to see or want to be a part of. Izzy, we are just about out of time, but I want you to look out, if you would, over the next 10 to 15 years or so, thinking about space commerce and your role in it, and tell us what you see down the road. Well, I, my role in the space world is I, I want to be a part of making it a healthy economy, and I want to inspire the next generations to pick that for a career, to be something more than, than what they are. I mean, space gives you juice to get up in the morning. And I don't care if you're, you know, 12 years old or 92 years old, it's exciting and it can change lives and inspire careers. So I want to make sure it's as healthy as it can be, which marketing tools need to happen. I am currently writing two different books. I didn't mean for that to happen, but that's how it came out. It's the sequel to space marketing. It's a space marketing spaceports. And it's mm-hmm. about having a, a very healthy spaceport that a state or an area can uh, make fo- space a focus for them and bring businesses in, but also inspire the, the, the workforce and inspire the next generation. So it's like a hub and it, it inspires transparency and it transports and it generates income for the the area. So, and there's a lot of communication that goes around that. So Mm -hmm. this book is about how to communicate with legislators, the public and that sort of thing to get a spaceport going. And then uh, our connection to space. And it talks, this book is about what is our connection to space in our daily lives? You know, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, how is space influencing every minute of our day. So that's what that that particular project is on. Well, I hope you'll come back and talk with us about those books when you get them done and published. I would love to. All right. Well, we'll make sure that happens, Izzy. Izzy House is the author of Space Marketing, Competing in the New Commercial Space Industry. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra Podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at xterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XterraJSC. This programming note, the Xterra podcast will take a one-week hiatus for the Memorial Day weekend, 
and we'll be back with a Farm Fresh podcast on June the 2nd. So until then, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.